0: Hello, this is Brooke Pernice with good books, true stories, beautiful songs. Take thou our minds, dear Lord, we humbly. To honor thee. I love summertime for one reason above any other, and that is it gives me plenty of time and excuse to read. And I mean to read all sorts of literature: theology, leadership books, biography, classic novels, and occasionally a mindless novel or thriller. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Colossae, says, Fix your minds on things above, where Christ is not, on things below. Leland Ryken in his excellent book, The Lost Art of Reading, talks about what great literature does for us. And he explains that most of our lives are consumed with prose, not poetry. He uses the example of street signs and menus and the day-to-day things that we constantly see. Most of these can't be said to have a lot of beauty. And to the extent they use words at all, there's nothing particularly attention-grabbing or beautiful about the words. A few of them might be catchy, in the case of a marketing slogan or a jingle, but in general, it's very prosaic. There is no sense of the poetic, of the beautiful, of gaining wisdom or discernment from these things. And so when we think about having the mind of Christ, and giving our minds over to God. The first thing that means is reading of the book, spending time in the word of God. But I don't believe it ends there. I believe spending time reading all sorts of worthy literature, things that bring our mind, elevate our imagination to things that are higher, is another discipline by which we can allow our minds to come more under the influence of God. To think more on the higher things and to not simply get stuck in the everyday things that we see on the street, in our homes, or on the television. When we give our minds to God, we want to learn how to submit to those things which are beautiful, which are true, and which are good, whether we see them in the written word or in the world that God has shaped for us, as Leland Ryken puts it. Take thou our hearts, O Christ, they are thine own. Come thou within ourselves and claim thy throne. Help us to share. This hymn in church this past Sunday, right before my pastor Dave Dively preached a wonderful sermon on John 14:6, Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. And he pointed out the four general traps that the religious leaders of those days fell into. The first was the legalism of the Pharisees. The Pharisees believed in keeping the law in a very exact way and believing the exact right things. And to some degree, they were correct. But the problem was that they believed this was what would save them or bring them favor with God. Then the Sadducees, who did not believe in a resurrection, only believed in the first five books Of the Old Testament Genesis through Deuteronomy they did not accept as Scripture any of the other writings in the prophets or the Psalms or the historical literature they only accepted Genesis Exodus Leviticus Numbers and Deuteronomy and because of that they discarded many important beliefs in Judaism such as the resurrection And any passages in those five books that seemed to point to it, they tended to explain away. So they wanted to interpret the scripture in such a way that fit with them and fit with the modern culture to some degree. Then there were the Essenes. They were more of a monastic community. They lived in caves, often. And they separated from those living in cities and in the world as a whole. And they accepted certain aspects of Greek philosophy, especially things like Gnosticism. So they tended to believe that the body itself could be a problem and could even be evil. And to some degree, they had a point. They wanted to separate from the sins of the world to be pure. But the entire world, and certainly their created bodies, were not evil. And the fourth was that of the zealots. The zealots were those leaders who wanted to take up the sword against Rome. They believed that no matter what Their means had to be. God's ultimate will was that Israel be freed from Rome and be under the rule of God again. And to some degree, they had a point in that the rule of God was what they should be seeking. But they didn't realize that it was a heavenly king and not a mere earthly king that they were seeking. And so as we talk about things like reading and the intellect, it is important not to fall into the trap of thinking that simply what we know, how much we know, and believing it is going to be enough to save us. We want to be gracious to the concerns of people The scripture has a lot of grace. God is indeed love. But that does not mean that his commands are in any way lessened. We are saved by grace. But once we are his, we are still to live in the way that he commands. We are to be distinct from the world. But we're not to simply cut ourselves off, or at the other side of that coin, simply wait until heaven comes or Jesus comes and rescues us. And finally, we are to desire that the culture become more godly, desire to improve and transform culture. But we realize that our ultimate hopes do not lie there, and that ultimately, we will not bring in the kingdom of God by the sword, because Jesus has brought it by the cross. Take thy... Whether we're in a church, a Christian school, or some other ministry, one of the biggest obstacles that I have seen over and over is the temptation of compartmentalization. That is, we act one way on Sunday at church, but the rest of the week we're in business. or. Maybe we teach certain things in Bible class, but it doesn't always affect what we teach in other classes. Or our ministry's ends are to serve God, but perhaps the means can be more worldly than some people would approve of in the church. But the fact is, Jesus when he appeared to his apostles to give them the great commission, said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And when we call him Lord, we are calling him the ruler, the monarch, and the king over every aspect of our lives. So that means there is no part of our life if we call Jesus Lord, that we can then go back and say, well, he doesn't have anything to say about that. I can live that part of my life any way I would like. The same thing applies if we're talking about church or school or any other sort of ministry. There is no area in which he does not have not only influence, but complete rule and control, and he has the ultimate right to rule, and to tell us, this is how you are to live, and this is who you are to be. Take thou ourselves, O Lord. My his excellent book, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self, explains a good deal of the cultural quagmire we find ourselves in. And he points out that in our society today, we have come to believe that being true to one's self or being authentic is believed to be the highest virtue. But in fact, if we are Christians, though this might be surprising to us at first, it becomes necessary to realize that isn't true. We are not charged, be your true or better or authentic self. We are charged, take up your cross and follow the Lord Jesus Christ go into the world and make disciples of all nations and teach them to obey and baptize them. We are given the command to be what Christ would have us to be, to put on Christ and to take off our old selves. So when we proclaim Jesus is Lord, We mean that he is Lord of our whole self. And we give that self to him to shape, to alter, to recreate, and to sanctify in any way that he would desire. It's good and important to push ourselves mentally to think about things beyond ourselves. It is important to know Jesus as a person, as our Lord, as our Savior, and as the man who walked the streets of Galilee 2,000 years ago. He is the way through the truth and into the life, as my pastor said on Sunday. He is the key to finding eternal life. And it's not simply knowing about him, though we should do that. It's not simply having good feeling toward others, though we will deeply love other people when we love him. It is not simply going out and fulfilling a call and serving him. Because if we do not know and love him, all of these things will be in vain. And as the Apostle Paul warns us, we will be a clanging gong. And our words and our work will be meaningless. Jesus is the Lord of our whole selves. And he alone can determine what those selves are to be. cold, thou full swing.